You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Al. We're both out of breath. How are you, Dave? <laughs> well, I have to run to the phone. Uh, the, the mic's not working, so we're going to do this over the phone. How's that sound? It sounds marvelous. It's uh, better than Morris Code, that's for sure. Sure. It's the Delta Tones of Dave Rediger. Anyways, we're going to have a great show today, a good lineup. Uh, we're going to be talking with Adam Rumpel from Drive Festival. You know, that big event that's happening this fall at Mossport. So tell me, does that mean he's in the Rumpel seat? Um, <laughs> more than likely, <laughs> especially when he gets home. And we won't talk about that. Raymond Chan. Uh, Jeremy is, uh, we all know, with the CAA, and we're going to talk about drivers and uh, self-confession about how many laws they have broken, and I'm surprised that these folks that uh, do speak up and the ones that don't, so we're going to have a quick conversation about how many people actually do break the law and confess. And? Brian Max, who's our favorite test driver. Brian has a website on uh, YouTube. And uh, today we're going to talk about an article that one of his competitors has written that pickup trucks are not safe and shouldn't be on the road. And uh, everybody should be driving cars, bicycles, or whatever, turnips. The truth is, it's a great conversation, so we're going to talk about that. And the fact that the new Honda NSX is not going to happen, and Honda is actually pulling out of the high-priced sports car market. So we'll talk about that. Plus, you and I have a quick conversation about uh, what's in the news. Exactly. Um, but maybe they should make it electric. That may get that may get the sales going, do you think? Well, we're looking at Ford E. It's sold out in, in 20 minutes. Brand new car. Uh, it's an electric uh, truck. Trunks on both ends. Modern styling. And the bottom line is pickup wants. Uh, pickup wants. Man, people want pickups. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, as you know, we're going to talk to Ray later, of course. I, I don't think the problem is so much the vehicles as the people who are piloting them. Yes. I still remember uh, a young lady who drove an F-150 or an F-250, and she would put her bumper right in the back of the trailer and scare the hell out of the guy she was following. So, yes, you're right. There is a certain uh, mindset that it takes to drive a big truck. I, I think it's a closed mind is the <laughs> uh, no. what happens with some of those. All right, we got to take a break, and after that, Dave and I will be back for sure. Uh, you got any car care questions, by all means, send them to davescornergarage.com, and we'll see if we can get them on for you. Yep. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. My name is Alan Gelman, and hopefully Dave is there. Dave, are you with us? I'm here on my phone because my computer crashed. Don't you just hate when that happens? <laughs> I'm hating it now. We are so dependent. <laughs> Maybe you need some new chips. I hope they're not Ford or, or Chevy ones because they're on back order. It's crazy. Absolutely. The world is crazy. Anyways, a uh, couple of news items we should be talking about. Uh-huh. 
what was your favorite bitch was that people would be driving on the daytime running lights. And now Toyota has announced that they will also put on the rear lights as soon as your car starts to move. If your daytime running lights are on or not, or your lights are on or not, your taillights will function. My wife always called me the headlight police because I'm quick to honk the horn and point at people's cars when they don't have their lights on. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, it is Toyotas. You know, I think part of the issue, of course, was the fact that the dashboard lights, you know, they're all electronic now and they're all digital right. displays. So they're all so bright. People assume that because they're seeing that bright display in front of them, that, in fact, their lights are on. And, and in a lot of cars, the daytime running lights, which are on, you know, cast a pretty big shadow in the front of the car. So people are going, I can see where I'm going, and I can see my dash lights on, but they just don't realize that their actual headlights are off. And, um, you know, we, we even, you know, most cars nowadays will have an automatic function on the stock or on the switch, but if it gets switched to manual and you don't realize it, your lights are off. I think this is a great thing. I've seen a lot of Chrysler's that way, too. Well, they really, you know, what RTFM is what we always say, you know, read the manual. Yeah. And here's a case where people get into a car, drive the car, and don't know how it functions. Really? They I assume mean, that everything is, is automatic, right? Yeah. You know, I, you know, I find out things about my car three years later, and I did read the manual. But <laughs> <laughs> the truth is it's actually such a complicated machine now. It's not that simple to operate. So read the manual, see if your taillights do come on, or stick somebody out there to make sure they come on. Okay. And um, uh, Bob's your uncle. So from now on, that's going to be one of the new features. I actually, I saw a feature in a vehicle the other day that I thought was really neat. Customer brought a car in, and there wasn't very much gas in it. In fact, uh, the red light was on, telling us it didn't have gas. But all of a sudden, on the actual digital information <laughs> display, it came up and said, Hey, you got no gas. Do you want to see where the closest gas station is? Oh, are you kidding? No, no. So I thought that was great. A super yeah. addition, eh? So next thing on the agenda, Ford and GM are going to court. Uh, they're going to court over the word cruise. Uh, seems that the GM has what's called Super Cruise, which is their version of driving hands-free. Mm-hmm. And Ford has now a version called Blue Cruise. So they're going to court over the word cruise. Ford says it's a common used term. GM says, no, we have a license on the word Super Cruise. So they're going to go to court and argue that out. Is cruise control not a generic word? I would think so. Um, You know, as soon as you told me that this morning, I thought maybe Ford was ticked off because, you see, they're the Blue Oval Company, right? That's right, yeah. So I thought maybe they upset that that, that Chevy's using the blue part of their name, you see. Um, Maybe. Who knows? Crazy stuff. But at the same time, you know, they're 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 also going on how this doesn't mean this is level four you know, automated cars. You still have to pay attention. You still have to have your hands on the wheel. Um, and, and if people assume that, that the car is going to do everything for them, they're going to crack it up pretty quick. Dave? Well, it's, it was it's Tesla's model that you actually rent the self-driving feature. You pay a service of $200 a month U.S. Mm-hmm. to have the self-driving feature be activated, even though it's still not fully functional. They do hit you for 200 bucks, So it's not for free. Uh, it's the, it's like the Apple model where you pay for the services, but you don't actually own them. So we'll see how where that one goes. That was a, just reminds me of a lawsuit that Jeep had with Hummer. Mm-hmm. Jeep was claiming the seven sticks in the grill belonged to Jeep, was an emblem, and the Hummer had seven sticks in their grill. They went to court. Jeep won. So Jeep okay. told them to stick it. 
Thank you. All right. Uh, Everything's Norris. going electric. Racing two, you say? Yes. Norris, just, Norris our friend uh, Norris McDonald, announced that the Formula E event, which is a Formula One type of car powered by an electric motor, is coming to Vancouver on June the 30th and July the 30th, that weekend, which is a long weekend. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on. And... Uh, it's going to be a big event. Apparently, uh, they're looking for millions of dollars of investment money coming in. I wonder how many racer, racing fans, though. I mean, I remember going to a NASCAR event in Michigan a bunch of years ago, and there were people in front of me, and they were going on, wait till the cars come by. You're gonna, it's going to be so loud. It's, it's going to shake your guts, you know, uh, and, and it's so exciting. Well, electric cars don't make that noise. What happens? They were a lot. <laughs> they, they were. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, they they kind of they kind of whiz by, and I gotta be honest with you, I watched it several times. It's kind of boring. I mean, after a few laps and they and they become in up in the lineup, it's you're just watching cars go by. There's really no no racing going on. I didn't really enjoy it as much as I do as gasoline. I mean, no crashes, no passing, nothing like that. Well, it's the online, but it's not. It is not like uh, NASCAR where they're working it at the at the front all the time. Well, maybe I they could. Maybe they should do it like they were showing, you know, stadiums full of empty s- seats. They'll put yeah. some noise behind it, some artificial sounds to well, make it a little more interesting. Game, oh yeah. I mean, they're yelling and screaming, and you look at the stand. There's five guys there, so <laughs> you never know what's going on. That's okay, true. Okay, and last on the list, we'll talk about something which is important. Volkswagen brought out a new car called a Taos, spelled T-A-O-S. There's a stop sale on this vehicle because it tends to shut off by itself, and dealers have been instructed not to deliver the vehicles. Wow. So if you've ordered one of these things and you're waiting for a delivery, yes. <laughs> you're going to be waiting a whole lot longer. <laughs> exactly right. All right, you know, we were talking earlier about some car things. Um, there's a car show coming up uh, yes. tomorrow. Um, our friends at the Highway 11 Cruisers, you know, informed us about it. It's called Wings and Wheels, or Wheels and Wings, I should say. And I thought, where do wings come in? But guess what? Because it's happening at Coop's Smoking Wing House up in Newmarket. So there you go. So if, you're, uh, if you feel like some chicken wings are looking at some hot cars, tomorrow is the day. Uh, from 4 to 8 o'clock, I think, at night they're running it up in Newmarket. So good luck with that, boys. And uh, we're going to be back right after the break. We're going to be talking to Adam Rupel from the Drive Festival, which yep. is be out in Motorsport, Mostport Park. I think that's what they call it now. Dave? This is yeah, the, uh, they, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. I, I've wrecked many a car there, but I've had many a great time. All right, super. Take care, everybody. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dave's Corner Garage, Canada's number one automotive show. And uh, a lot of people who uh, are listening to our show enjoy watching, you know, car racing, of course. We talked about that a little earlier. But car shows... Um, it, it, now that COVID is hopefully winding down, I'd like to say that. Did you notice the reservation in my voice? Um, anyways, there is a live show coming up Friday, September the 10th. It'll be there all weekend. We've got Adam Rupel on the phone. He's going to tell us all about the Drive Festival. Adam, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Uh, awesome to be on the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, excellent. Now, you're having it at the old Mosport Park. What's going on there? Yeah, so it's Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. So. Uh, think of an auto show, but think about it um, in a dynamic way. And, you know, loosely, I, I would say uh, this event's based on uh, an event that I went to um, in England called Goodwood Festival of Speed. You guys are probably familiar with that. Yes. 
Yeah. So what we're doing is we're recreating a hill climb. Um, we're running cameras up it, and we're running everything from vintage cars, race cars, exotics, um, anything that you can imagine that might be your dream car. We're running up that hill all weekend long. So people can actually not only see the cars, because you'll see them in the pit areas, but you're also going to be able to hear and watch them as they um, drive our demonstration hill climb. Uh, we also have like uh, three test tracks on site, an off-road test track for certain manufacturers, performance test track where you can actually rent uh, laps in a Ferrari, Lamborghini, McLaren. Um, and we also have a uh, manufacturer test track where you can try out some of the newest SUVs and, um, and vehicles as well. We've got car club displays on site simulators, uh, military vehicles, uh, basically, uh, basically, if you love uh, motorcycle displays, huge amount of motorcycle displays, and a place where you can actually um, test drive these uh, uh, little um, race motorbikes, learn how to race. Uh, so everything about the event is really dynamic in nature. Well, Dave, you can bring your uh, Ferrari and see if you can get up the hill climb. I've been up that hill. i got to be honest with you. It's a long hill. <laughs> it really is. So, yeah, Adam, you're going to actually start at the bottom of turn five and still let them loose there? Yeah, actually, it's at the bottom. Of, we're going to use the bottom of turn five, up 5A five and B as staging, and then we're going to start actually at the bottom of four. I know the previous hill climb started at the bottom of 5A, so it's a tiny bit shorter, but it also doesn't have that downhill. So it's a full uphill. It's about 1.9 kilometers long, mm. so very similar in length to um, what is at Goodwood, uh, and we're going to be safetying it to go backwards as well, so obviously. Yep. Interesting. Now, the other thing is, uh, can private people actually go to go on track, or are you there with an escort? Well, so what we're doing is we're making sure that the, the owners that are bringing their cars have performance driving experience, um, and obviously we're going to manage them. Um, we've got a lot of pro drivers coming, ex-race car drivers coming as well. So it's not, wow. you know, the hill climb is not open for just general public to bring out their uh, car and drive up the hill. We vet everybody that um, is participating in the hill climb. As well, we're only sending them off individually, so you know there aren't going to be tangles between different cars up the hill. So it's basically the same as, as Goodwood, where they send one after the other trying to beat the time. Uh, yeah, except we're not. Because it's a first-year event and because some of these cars, um, a vast majority of the cars aren't caged, um, we're not. Um, we're doing it more as a demonstration, which the, um, Goodwood has part demonstration and then part race. Mm -hmm. um, next mm -hmm. year, uh, I think we're going to do a timed version, a race version up the hill. But this year, and no timed version. Al? Yeah, Adam, so if you want to see some hot cars, apparently you've got some Porsches, you've got some McLarens. What else have you got there that you're going to be showing? So we actually have Pagani Waira, Roadster BC. We have the new 935. Uh, I've got about 100 cars per day, but oh, wow. really exciting. We have a 67 Dino SP Ferrari race car mm -hmm. that has just been sent back from the Ferrari factory, fully refurbished, and we're, we're running that with an original GT40 that Legendary Motor Car is bringing, mm -hmm. and we're doing a Ford versus Ferrari up the hill. So you're going to see correct oh. cars from that day um, driving up the hill. So those are, uh, you know, we've got an original Cobra coming. I've got, you know, a lot of uh, very nice hardware, and we're getting more and more uh, people reaching out. Ferrari F40, you know, um, vintage Porsches, new Porsches, new McLarens, uh, 
basically everything you can imagine um, is coming out to this event. So if you have a dream car, chances are we have it. <laughs> Great stuff. And if people want to register for the hill climb, can they do that in advance? Yeah, it's a, it's actually um, you, you, it's right through our website, but we're starting to fill that up, actually. So we've got some clubs that coming in. We've got everything you know, uh, coming in for that hill climb. And we're not charging for it. What we're trying to do is really find the best and most variety of cars so that, you know, we don't duplicate everything. You know, we don't want 10, you know, Lamborghini Huracans on the hill, <laughs> if you get my drift. Super. So it's drive, drivefestival.com. Is that it, the website? Yep. And uh, we're, we're selling, uh, you know, limited tickets because of COVID, of course. Um, but... We're all, we're we've got we're following all the um, health guidelines, you know, in step three, and uh, we're very excited about uh, bringing this event to uh, first year to Mossport. Super Friday, September the tenth, that whole long weekend. Dave, say goodbye. Say goodbye. I was going to say I'm embarrassed. Nothing below two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> and actually, I should have said Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, <laughs> not Mossport. Can you pay in coupons? That's what I need to know. Can Andy McTire go? <laughs> we got to run. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be back with Raymond Shannon, the CAA, right after this break. All right, we're back, everybody. My name is Alan Gelman. we got Dave Redinger on the phone. Dave, I think we got you live on your, your better yep. machine there, eh? Yeah, the Skype started to work, and we're ready to rock and roll. All right. See, it helps when you pay the bills. It does. I wish I knew where it were. <laughs> of course, we got Raymond Chan. He's from the CAA, and he's going to be talking about how 55% of the drivers out there admitted to be driving stupid, I could say. Uh, Raymond, is everybody else lying or what? Well, I'd like to think so, Al. I mean, you mentioned 55%. I would have thought that number would have been much, much higher than that, closer to 99.9, if not 100%. I agree. Um, who, who out there hasn't, uh, hasn't gone over the speed limit at least one kilometer, right? I mean, let's face it, going one kilometer over the speed limit is actually, in fact, speeding under the Highway Traffic Act. And, um, you know, I, I can't think of a single person who uh, hasn't had or at least felt the urge to check their phone or to respond to an urgent message while they're driving a vehicle or even stopped off somewhere on the roadway. So I think we're all guilty of that. Oh, certainly everybody is strapped to their phone. I, I, I always laugh when, you know, my wife's got her phone sitting around somewhere in the house, and I hear, and I went, and, and I mean, she jumps. It's like, like Pavlov's dog, okay? Immediately <laughs> they jump, they salivate, they got to get, I got to get that message. I said, it's just a stupid Facebook thing that someone's sending you. Dave? Well, I was going to say that, you know, the laws aren't really reflecting what's going on out there. I mean, you scoot along the 401 and you're doing 120. If you're not, you've got another passenger in the back of your car. And things like stoplight after speed bump, after stoplight after speed bump, people get frustrated and they start to uh, get lazy. So, yeah, I, I would agree that it's higher than 55%. It's probably closer to 90% of people that break the law. And I admit I'm one of them. I mean, I scoot along at 120, and that's way over the speed limit. But if I don't, I'm in an accident. Well, we're always taught to drive with the flow of traffic, especially when you're going through your driver's training as you're getting your driver's license, right? If, if people are doing that 110 or a buck 20 up and down the 401, then you're kind of expected to do the same. That being said, I mean, we still have to respect the rules of the road. Uh, the fact that we do have a speed limit in place says that um, – you, you, you can, at, at most, go a particular speed, and the police officers do have a right to stop you and to charge you with 
with speeding. And I think this is the message that we want to get across, that yes, we want to make sure that people get to their destination as quickly as possible, but we also want to make sure that they do that in as safe uh, a manner as possible so that we all get there alive and well to our destination. Well, I think for me, I, I feel myself that, that cell phones really are the big issue. You know, um, driving fast, if you're paying attention, is, is, is one thing. But, but when you're driving that speed and not paying attention, that's way worse, I think. Well, technology certainly is a big distraction, and we see it a lot on our vehicles these days, right? You, you've got uh, onboard computers that talk back at you, that tell you what's wrong. You've got, uh, you know, blind spot indicators and things like that. I think that motorists have become a little bit too reliant on technology. And um, that being said, uh, there's really no substitution for, you know, defensive and safe driving and and taking what you learned in uh, driving school way back when. I think that if we look back on uh, proper education of drivers, I think that's sort of something that's lacking here in the province of Ontario. I can't speak for elsewhere in Canada, but, you know, much like you guys, I went out and got my driver's license straight at the age of 16, and I've been driving mm-hmm. since, but I'm not required to do any recertification or licensing until I'm the age of 80, right? So that's a big gap in between. And if I'm not paying attention to, uh, to the media or what government is saying about the changes in the law or what law enforcement is saying about uh, crackdown and enforcement efforts, then really I'm, I'm, I'm really not educated. And I really think that's what our survey results in. Really what the campaign that we started, um, it's, it Think You Need to Speed, Think Twice, is really all about. Uh, letting, letting our motorists out there know that rules are in place, there are stricter penalties that the government has now introduced that are now in effect, and that we all need to abide by those rules and uh, respect one another when we're on our roads. Raymond, according to the uh, OPP's uh, Twitter account, the month of July, so it ended in the long weekend, so they included the long weekend. They put in 6,340 6, charges, 4,117 speeding offenses, and 116 stunt driving offenses. So the bottom line is they're not listening. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with the aging demographic that's out there as well. I mean, yeah. we've we've now been in this COVID-19 lockdown situation. Well, now things are opening back up, but when things were locked down, the streets were largely empty, right? Uh, first began in March 2020, you start seeing mm-hmm. all these media reports of especially young people, usually young males, uh, late at night, um, gathering in a parking lot somewhere and, and, and doing these crazy acts, right? You're, you're putting accelerants on the roadway, lighting it on fire, putting on a show for people who are out there. These are all dangerous situations that I know that are both on the radar of government, but also law enforcement, but also key stakeholders in the road safety space like us, that we want to, you know, raise raise the awareness about what's going on here, about the issues that exist, and, and really talk about how to address them. It's great that government's passing laws and uh, that there are stricter penalties involved with things like aggressive driving and stunt driving, but I think that's really one piece of this particular puzzle. You need the enforcement piece coming from the police. You need the education as well, which is what we're trying to do. We've got the legislative efforts from government. I think that uh, we, we need to show that level of empathy as well to, and better understand um, you know, what's going through the minds of these young people. Why do they decide to do these particular acts late at night, and why do they think that they can get away with it? You know, one thing that I've noticed specifically is, you know, uh, not that I drove crazy cars, but but growing up, you know, my my eye was always peeled in my rearview mirror looking for that yellow police cruiser, and and that's something we just don't see on any on the roads anymore. Not not that they're not yellow; they just 
we don't see the police cars. So, you know, if you don't think, if you think that you can get away with stuff and because there's nobody watching, you're going to do it. And, and, and that's, I think, for me, that's why I think you see a lot of people doing crazy stuff. Now, how far can you get with 36 horsepower in a Volkswagen? <laughs> well, you know what? It, but but I used to get pulled over because it was orange and it had had, had funny stickers on it, you know. But uh, but but it you know but you always did it. You always were concerned that that you know if you did something wrong, you're going to get pulled over. And it, it's almost never that you see the cars or see them pulled over. Uh, they, they talk about how many people have been fined. Uh, where does that happen? Because I've never seen it. Well, I think you're right about that, that aspect of things, Alan. I'm going to go back to my, my earlier comment about technology. You're seeing all these different communities across Ontario embrace the technology that is automated speed enforcement, these, um, these speed cameras that exist everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Whether they be at red lights or you're in different community safety zones, I think that by putting up this particular deterrent, um, it, it's, you know, government would like to think that you're actually stopping people from performing these stunts, but some of the stats that we've seen come out of the city of Toronto, we've kind of seen the opposite. You've had one particular offender who's had uh, 30 instances of speeding while going through a zone that's got one of these cameras. So I really don't think it's much of a deterrent. Either the fines aren't high enough or it's simply the message isn't getting across about how serious um, aggressive driving and excessive speeding really are. You know, I saw that story and I thought, well, you know, I drive the same route to work every day. And if I had to wait for the mail to come to tell me that I got my first ticket, I could have 10 more already by then. Yeah, and and to go along with that, I think the legal system is a bit of an issue as well, right? You, you, you've got to obviously give people uh, their particular day in court. You've got to give them an opportunity to plead their case. But if people are going to be waiting for 9, you know, 12 months, 18 months down the line before you actually appear before a JP to plead your case, uh, that, that really says a lot about the legal system, about the resources and how strapped it actually is, right? So I think the police are frustrated when it comes to laying charges because they're doing their part. The educational aspect is there. You know, c- coming on the radio and, 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 and talking about this and helping to educate drivers is great, but we also need the legal system on board, and we need to provide that, that, that avenue for people to, uh, to represent themselves in court, and we need to do it in a timely manner as well. So all these things, I think, really need to work together for this system and this particular education and this campaign to work together properly. Maybe we need the pictures of Alan Funt, you know, to tell you, smile, you're on <laughs> yeah. candid camera. Uh, I mean, if you don't know that camera's there, if you don't know what that little white box on the little post is on the side of the road, you may not even be aware of it. So, um, you, again. You know, Alan, yep. they actually, uh, you can actually get apps that'll tell you there is a camera at the side of the road. Uh, Ways being one of them, it warns you about police ahead. It warns you there's traffic cameras. I mean, the information is there if you want to find it. But the truth is, um, I think the speed limits are a little bit too low for what's going on out in traffic. But then that's catch twenty two. You see, you know, you're going to be taking your attention off the road and looking down at your phone mm-hmm. to see to see where the cameras are. Oh my God, it's a vicious cycle. So it's funny we talk about stunt driving, and usually when you talk about that term, you usually think about excessive speeding, right? You don't necessarily think about doing the dangerous acts like donuts in a parking lot. But I want to mention some of the other important things that fall under that as well. Um, stunt driving could also include weaving through traffic in and out um, while while you're speeding. So if you're driving at excessive speed and you're going in and out just trying to get ahead of everybody, that's considered stunt driving. Potentially not letting people uh, pass you if if you're trying to cut them off in any way or you're following too closely. I know that's a big one, especially here in the GTA, tailgating, um, cutting other people off entirely. These are all acts of sun driving, and they are potentially all chargeable under the Highway Traffic Act. 
All right, we do have to run. Our time is running out. If people want to find out more of what the work that CAA is doing, how do they do that, Ray? Yeah, we've actually got some uh, great resources and videos that we've got up now on our on our YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and you look up C-A-A-S-C-O, uh, you'll see some videos there about uh, our new campaign, Think You Need to Speed, Think Twice. And uh, we got to be concerned about the little ones. And you got a brand new one. Congratulations, Ray. Oh, you heard about that. Yes, yeah, our new bundle. Mm. <laughs> All right. Drive safe, everyone. Uh, this is Dave's Corner Garage. we got to run. But after the break, we're going to be talking to Brian Max, who's got to get something off his chest. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Alan Gilman. I'm here from Glen Ellen Motors, um, and uh, Dave's up there in uh, beautiful Sutton. Where are you, Dave? I'm in beautiful Sutton. <laughs> okay. We have Brian coming up. You know, Alan, did you realize that the first uh, five best-selling vehicles in the country are pickup trucks? Well, but they're mostly people who work with them, isn't it, as opposed to pleasure craft? I'm not sure, and my, Brian's got a couple of words he wants to say about that. Brian Max, how are you? I'm great, Al. How are you? How are you, Dave? Hey, good. Good stuff. You well, know, Brian, you usually get revved up about hot cars, but you got riled up about an article you read. What's going on? Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in the Globe and Mail, uh, Marcus G. wrote a column entitled, get this, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Pickup trucks are a plague on Canadian streets. Ooh. Really? Can, can you imagine? And of course, of course, me being the car guy, I have to read this, and it, I don't get two paragraphs in, and he's he hasn't bothered to fact check all sorts of things. He talks about how trucks are 7,000 pounds. Well, the, the last Silverado I drove mm-hmm. um, was 5,000 pounds. He suggests that these 7,000 pound trucks are the same, the equivalent weight of three Honda Civics, which is just not even close to true, talks about how they are, are you know, evil and polluting and intimidating. He, uh, in this column, he talks about how he's tailgated by pickup trucks. And what that suggests to me as someone who's been teaching race driving and, and all that, uh, all that sort of stuff for a really long time, that says to me that he's pretty much a bad driver. So, uh, thankfully, uh, our friends at Haggerty give me a platform, and I've got a I've got a column mm-hmm. uh, about um, a counterpoint to this. And uh, in um, in my column, I actually um, use some facts and uh, <laughs> uh, rem- remind the readers that yeah. indeed, you know, trucks are efficient, they're safe. Um, and they are often used for truck purposes, like hauling race cars or boats or, you know, use them for hunting trips. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, I, ju- I just can't imagine telling anyone what kind of vehicle they should or shouldn't buy. I mean, I've got lots of advice when someone's buying a new vehicle, but I can't imagine telling any- anyone that they shouldn't buy a pickup truck. Well, I think you, you know have two I- issues, eh, Dave? You've got the, you know, you've got the driver and you've got the vehicle. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, is, is, is there the odd bad driver driving a pickup truck? I'm sure, like there is cars. But I can tell you, on my way back from Simcoe, um, I almost never see a pickup truck towing a boat or a trailer in the passing lane. Like, they got enough sense to stay to the right. I mean, what? how hard is it? 
That, that's exactly it. And, you know, anybody with with any common sense, and I mean, I rarely see, you know, offensive truck drivers, uh, pickup truck drivers as well. I mean, you know, and I've done I've done everything you can with a pickup truck. I've hauled race cars um, all over Ontario and Quebec, even in the States. And I've, I've towed boats and, and sea dews and, and all kinds of things. And, you know, when you're when you're towing, you've got to you've got to have that additional sense of awareness and you know it's only common sense but i mean you know just as just as someone can drive badly or or you know somewhat offensively in a pickup truck so so can you in a supercar too i mean i've seen really offensive driving in in supercars too It, it that's that's across the board but to single out the most popular vehicles in this country is as something that shouldn't be on the road i just can't imagine you know, Brian, I was going to say that the three most popular songs in the country and Western are I'm Getting Married to My Pickup Truck, I Love My Pickup Truck More Than My Wife, and uh, uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, funny, funny story, a couple of years ago, I had I had uh, the wonderful Chevrolet Colorado ZR2, or ZR2, sorry, I'm not in the States right now, the ZR2, which is a bit of an off-roady truck, drove it over mountain range and all that stuff. But I, what I resolved on that trip, which is a mistake, was to listen to country music. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and unfortunately, I haven't gotten out of that rut. So I, I can confirm there's lots of pickup truck references in modern country music. It's part of the – you know what? The best way to listen to country music is through an old speaker on the middle of the dash <laughs> <laughs> on AM. Yeah, but you know the, these these new pickup trucks have these glorious sound systems yep. in them. I mean, they're they're they can be true luxury vehicles too, and expensive. They could be up to hundred grand. Oh, for sure. I mean, one one of my favorites, the the Ford Raptor. You can that's close to a hundred thousand dollars. Really? Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. But it's also amazing that when you're in a pickup truck, you don't actually feel like you're in a truck. I mean, it's not utilitarian. It's actually more car than it is truck. And I think people, you know, they feel that's that's their driver. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, certainly the the size gives the feeling of additional safety. But I mean, all these modern trucks have safety features built into them, whether it's, you know, parking cameras or even pedestrian sensors. So, you know, if if a pedestrian steps in front of you, the car, the truck is actually going to break to a stop. And I mean, they they they're they're so safe. They're so comfortable and and they drive really well with modern tires, brakes, um, even even some advanced suspension systems. They just they they do everything really well. You know, my big concern though is a lot of times trucks, and I won't just say pickup trucks because I see cube vans the same way. You know, if the truck belongs to a company and not the actual driver, um, a lot of times things get ignored, especially when it comes to maintenance and safety stuff. Um, so that's that's one bugaboo of mine that uh, all these features are great long as they're working, and then long as the driver is attentive, eh? Well, that that's for sure, and that's that's the that's the big difference. Are, are you, do you see a, a lot of that, Al, with commercial vehicles? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had one yesterday. Uh, it took about three days to get it fixed. Where the commercial vehicle came in, the guy said, "Oh, it got got towed in actually because it was overheating." Well, it was overheating. Why? Because there was a hole in the red. Why was the hole in the red? Because the bumper had been, you know, a guy had run into something, and he drove it for months like that, figuring. Well, uh, so far, nothing leaking can keep going, you know. Um, so, yeah, abuse, really. And then, and who fights? You know, me as the repair guy, I end up fighting with the owner of the vehicles going, how come you're charging me so much to fix the damn truck? You know, and I'm going, well, it's your damn driver. And it's just 
over and over. So best that we take care of our cars, that we watch where we're driving. And uh, that's it, Brian. Brian, thank you very much. If they want to see more of your fantastic stuff on YouTube, where do they find it? Uh, it's Brian Max. Brian with an I, M-A-K-S-E. Really? No TikTok videos, though, eh? Definitely zero TikTok. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. And I'm looking forward to that Honda Civic review. We'll get there, yes. Looking forward to talking about the Civic as well. All right. Take care. Have a great weekend. After the break, Dave and I will be back. We're going to be talking about some fuel economy, some emissions, and uh, whatever else we think of. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. We're back. My name is Alan Gelman. I'm the uh, one of the bosses up at Glen Ellen Motors. My brother Glenn is there and our sister Mandy. So uh, you want to call and make a reservation with her? Well, th- that sounds funny. Never mind. Um, and we did <laughs> And we did have the winner of the Triangle Tires up, and I'm hoping to hear back from him. He was so excited. We put four new uh, Triangle Tires on his van. He said, I'm going to give him a good test because I'm driving out to the country this week. So I told him to give us a shout next week. Dave. Uh, while we were talking and doing the show, we got an email in uh, from Francis, and here it says, I have a Freestar van. Mm-hmm. The headlights blink as I'm driving along. People think I'm trying to get their attention. When I actually turn my headlights on, the blinking stops. Uh, I'm on a pension, and I'm fearful of a large bill. Could you give me some advice? Easy. Just leave your headlights on. I think that'll work. <laughs> the price is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the truth is, what, what is it, a DRL module? Daytime running light module, probably. I know in the old Fords, they used to be right by the radiator. They'd overheat and it would start to flash. So the easiest solution here is just to put your lights on and drive with the whole package, so to speak. And then forget to turn them off when you park and kill your battery. Well, you wanted a reasonable... <laughs> there, there's always a cheap way to fix things, <laughs> You know, come on. How about a hammer? How about a hammer? Just <laughs> knock the lights out. Uh, what we want to talk about, actually, is uh, President Biden of the United States uh, has announced that they want the U.S. fleet to be 50% EV, which means electric vehicles, uh, by 2030. And at a discussion with the manufacturers this uh, weekend, they decided uh, they could, could never reach that. They're thinking the best they could do is 30%. So in other words, as we change from gasoline slowly to electric vehicles, we have to install all the infrastructure. They think that's one of the major fallbacks. And also the amount of electricity you're going to be using. Can we produce enough electricity for everything that's going to be running out there? Really, and the question is, how do they make that electricity? We know how they make it in a lot of the American states. They use the coal that they got in the ground. Yes, so, they use know, coal, yeah. So you're making more smog. It doesn't make sense. Well, what you're doing is transferring the, the smog from to. You know, in other words, it's not in here. It's somewhere else. It's like manufacturing in China, and all the pollution is over there. But the truth is, we reap the benefits of a pollution-free society. So, who know? Who knows what's going on? So it's interesting that there is a push to get EVs on the road. It's not going to stop. It's not going to go away. Uh, actually, Honda announced Clarity. They used to have a what do you call hydrogen-powered car mm-hmm. called Clarity. They gave up on it. They've discontinued manufacturing, and now they're going to concentrate on EV. They're going into partnership with General Motors on some of their vehicles and use the GM Honda platform. So EVs are coming. It makes a decision. What's your next car going to be, gasoline or, or electric? Well, a lot of people are buying. Listen, they didn't the guys up at Young Steels tell us that Ford built more uh, Mach-E's than they did gas yes. Mustangs. So that's got to point the finger there. 
Yeah, so if you're buying a new car today, what would you buy, electric or gasoline? I don't know. My wife gets the new car. I get the beater. Oh, well, there you go. So it's gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's almost 20 years old. There you go. Yeah, well, you know what? It, the truth is uh, hybrid's probably the right way to go. It's a plug-in hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, put it into the wall. Drive your 45 case. I, will, I looked around. And I had another quick email where the guy said, uh, how long do the batteries actually last on an electric car? Uh, because uh, you know batteries degrade with use. The more you use it, the less range you have. And the answer is the manufacturers say eight years or 100,000 uh, miles, they should last that long. And to replace them, I looked that up, and that's close to $8,000. But the truth is I, the, the, they're, they've been lasting so long, I haven't really seen an issue or heard much about having to get batteries replaced. No. No, and the manufacturers, if, if they fail prematurely, a lot of the manufacturers in good faith have helped people out and not charged them a full pop. All right, we want to thank Adam Ruppel from the Drive Festival. If you want to check that out, go out to the website and um, at drivefestival.com, I think it is. We want to thank Raymond Chan, who was talking about all the people who admitted to driving bad. <laughs> and Brian Max, of course, um, our automotive journalist. Dave? I want to thank my mother for letting me be here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she can Bottom hear line. you. Have a great weekend, everybody, and enjoy it. We'll be back next week with, uh, I think, Crown is coming on next week. Yes, and please check out their website because they got a special on that will save you money. Thanks, Carlos, for keeping the wheels on the bus, and uh, we'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.